Coming up, we're talking Flow 9 in America, late models at Eldora, Kyle Larson winning in his modified debut, and some thoughts about weekly track purses after Lernerville made some changes. Let's go. It's Wednesday, April 19th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. We had the Flow Racing and Night in America series opener last night at Eldora. Mike Marler was your winner after dominating much of the 50-lap main event. Hudson O'Neill started from the fifth position and really seemed to kind of just hang around through the first half, but he started moving forward as the race wore on. At one point, Marler had like a five-second lead, and O'Neill was able to run him down. That was pretty damn impressive from the Rocket 1. Uh, O'Neill would have probably won the thing driving away, but two mistakes in less than a lap cost O'Neill the $23,000 win. He took the lead from Marler with six to go, but banged the wall out of four coming to three to go, and then was again in the concrete down the backstretch the next lap. That backstretch hit was kind of the end of his bid as the rocket machine uh, slowed suddenly after that with a flat right rear. Caution ensued and a trip to the infield for a new right rear tire left O'Neill with a 12th place finish on the night. Out front, nobody else really had anything for Marler, and he drove away on the restart to the victory. Tim McCready went 8th to 2nd, and Tanner English 17th to 3rd. Of the 54-car field, there were a few surprises in terms of guys not making the main event. On the outside, looking in after the Bs included guys like Garrett Alberson, Kyle Strickler, Billy Moyer, Brian Shirley, and Tyler Erb. Erb and Alberson are supposedly running for this Flow Racing Night in America championship, but they're already in a big hole after night one. One other surprising note from last night was the fact that there were just two rocket chassis in the main event. Uh, They were O'Neill and Kyle Bronson. The rest were either Longhorns, uh, except for uh, Ricky Weiss's sniper, and I believe Austin Kirkpatrick was in his own AK car. So interesting mix here. You know, we've talked about this shift before of the chassis stuff and Longhorn obviously being kind of the it piece right now. Rocket started out the season not super great. Obviously, O'Neill has bounced back in a big way uh, in the last couple of months, but still interesting that there was only two uh, Rockets in the feature last night. Looking ahead to tonight, the Flow Series moves about three hours away down to Brownstown Speedway for another 23,000 to win show. Jonathan Davenport dominated this one a season ago, starting third. Uh, He won that one over Bobby Pierce by five seconds. I would guess we'll see a similar car count to last night with something around 50 cars probably inbound. And somebody mentioned this last week when we talked about the first high limit sprint car race uh, and kind of my criticisms of that opening night. And I wanted to bring this idea up today. Flow really goes all in on these late model shows. And one example is the studio setup with Michael Rigsby and D-SWAT. They kind of open up the show uh, in the studio. They close the show in the studio and they kind of bounce in and out kind of through the course of the night when there's downtime. It's not something you see from Flow for literally anything else. And I'm a bit surprised that that same playbook wasn't used for the high-limit sprint cars. I don't know exactly know what the breakdown is with Flo's involvement with high-limit. We obviously know they're streaming high-limit, but is there ownership and how much kind of feedback and information going back and forth there is. But since they really got this midweek thing rolling with the late models, you would have thought they would have just put the same plan in place for the sprint cars. The at-home and the streaming audience is clearly a big deal for these Tuesday and Wednesday races, and the studio setup is kind of in place for those specifically watching at home. That thing kind of exists for the streaming audience. I think if Brad Sweet and his High Limit crew are looking for ways to punch things up in the coming weeks, that might be a conversation to have here with Flow. 
Also last night, on top of running 10th in the late model, Kyle Larson made his UMP modified debut behind the wheel of Justin and Mike Allgaier's number seven machine. The car is a Nick Hoffman Elite chassis, and Larson made his first time in a mod look really easy. He won his heat race, started sixth in the feature, took the lead six laps into that one, and drove away to the win. Not super surprising, uh, given Larson's prowess around Eldora, and then you kind of combine that with Hoffman's pretty damn good cars. And then Hoffman was there to not only coach, but he was also running the sticks. Afterwards, Larson said he's three for three winning races when Hoffman is his stick guy. Apparently, Hoffman helped with both of Larson's Chili Bowl wins from the turn two grandstands plus last night. Young Money now has wins in seven different divisions at Eldora. That is a uh, includes a non-wing sprint car, midget, silver crown car, NASCAR truck, wing sprint car, dirt late model, and now a modified. That's a pretty wild feat for one driver at one racetrack. Uh, in some racetrack news from yesterday, Lernerville Speedway announced they have upped their purses for all four weekly divisions. 410 sprint cars now pay $2,000 a win, up from about $1,600 to win a year ago. Late model division had a similar increase from about $1,600 to $2,000. Big block modifieds are now $1,600 up from about $1,200, and pro stocks are $600 up from $405. If you race there weekly, that's certainly good news uh, for anybody that competes there. In terms of tracks around it, though, Lernerville is still very much on the low end for those two win amounts when you compare it to the Central Pennsylvania tracks and the Ohio tracks that are just across the border. Tri-City Raceway Park up north pays $2,000 a win and $300 to start, but all the other main Ohio and PA tracks all pay better to win and most pay better to start. And I'm not going to spend today's show crapping on Lernerville for their lower weekly payouts, but it is an interesting track to look at when you talk about race teams and available purses. We've seen plenty of complaints about Ohio purses and teams and drivers there wanting more cash like we see from the Central Pennsylvania tracks. But Lernerville, which pays even less than Ohio, still manages to draw decent fields of 410s and late models each week. After Lernerville put out their news, I had a 410 driver message me about the news, and he brought up the fact that his team cannot justify racing at Lernerville with what they have to offer. And I'm sure there are plenty of others who don't show up there because of the money. You can certainly go a few hours in either direction and do much better, but the competition also ramps up significantly as well. And I think that's a point to make here with purse money in general. In some way, purse money and dirt racing creates some measure of a cost and competition cap. The main Ohio guys or somebody like Danny Dietrich or Anthony Macri, they're not going to roll into Lernerville Weekly because even if they win, there isn't a ton of money to make. And on the flip side, those guys that do race at tracks that pay less don't have to worry about trying to compete with the high profile guys. That means they can go longer on engine rebuilds and don't need the latest and greatest of everything to compete, so obviously less money needs to be spent. So there's your competition cap and your cost cap. But I think on the other side of this, if teams are going to continue supporting tracks that pay lower purses, then obviously there's no reason or incentive for those tracks to raise said purses. It's not different than what we see in non-wing racing. Guys complain about those non-wing purses, but a 1500 to win weekly show in Indiana will often get 25 or 30 or 35 cars. If they keep showing up and supporting those races, then it's hard to hear their complaints. I think it's just something for you to think about and chew on uh, for your Wednesday as you're at work or riding around in your car. In podcast land this week, Wing Nation has Lance DeWeese and Craig Mintz. Open Red has Jack Harris. Passing Points Down Under has Mitch Randall. Forward Bite has Derek Eshelman and Ozzy Altman. Ohio Dirt has Byron Reed. Quick Time has Brian Schnee. All Gas No Breaks has Logan Robertson. Uh, Hoagie's Garage has Clinton Boyles. Doom Witch on Dirt has Brianna Lawson and Joey Chapman. And there are new episodes of The Dirt Reporters, The Dirt Nerds, and Dirt Track Confessions. 
Uh, if you want to see all of the episodes, all of these uh, shows, check it out over at dirttracker.com slash podcast. And there are five more shows today across the streaming services. That includes the Flow Night in America late models from ba- uh, Brownstown on Flow Racing plus Flow 24-7. Dirt Vision has micros from Millbridge and Dirt Vision Now. And Speedsport has IMCA Racing from Stewart International. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. Hope you guys have a good Wednesday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. 